Ever wondered who and what is shaping Luxembourg? This is your Lux Unplugged podcast with your hosts, Adrian and Thierry. Hi, I'm Thierry. In this week's episode, I'm talking to Tom Michels, co-founder and CEO at SalonKey. SalonKey is one of the high-profile Luxembourg startups that emerged in recent years. SalonKey is also a fit-for-start graduate that has ambitious growth plans way beyond Luxembourg, while operating from its HQ in the Grand Duchy. In this conversation with Tom, we discussed a variety of topics such as the inception of the business, the recent Series A funding round, and how five ambitious tech entrepreneurs divide the day-to-day roles as co-founders in this tech business. Tom and I discussed the various challenges a startup encounters while continuing to develop their tech software and competing against other players in a growing and competitive market. But now, without further ado, my conversation with Tom Michels, co-founder and CEO at SoundKey. Hi, Tom. Thank you for joining me here on the Lux Unplugged podcast. Hi. Hi, Thierry. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Tom, it's always great to have founders and CEOs of startups, especially when they from Luxembourg on our podcast. So for people who don't know you, could you please introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Tom. Uh, I'm one of the five uh, co-founders of Salonki, uh, born and raised in Luxembourg uh, and then studied in Germany and the semester abroad in, in the States. So you just mentioned that uh, you're one of the five co-founders um, and uh, as you studied in, in Germany, can you can you can you tell us a little bit about your business idea of SalonKey and how did you identify the gap in the market? Yeah, so it actually started from the consumer side in the sense that during our university time, a couple of friends and I, we just were wondering, why can you not book an appointment online for your barbershop, hairdresser, or even then in a massage or wellness studio? And so we saw that that doesn't really exist in Luxembourg. And we were just thinking, okay, hey, why shouldn't we build this? And uh, let's go out, talk to salons, talk to the business owners, understand why this does not exist, and let's work together with them on finding a solution on how we could basically uh, bring that industry online. And then while talking to them, we very quickly realized that it's much more than just online bookings. It's not just what we initially thought of. We have a platform where you book online and you get your appointment. But actually, there's a whole industry uh, that needs to go digital, uh, meaning that they get need to get rid of pen and paper. They need to get software to manage their businesses, their salons. Uh, it can be a calendar, but it can also be a point of sale. It can be payments. It can be marketing solutions, uh, newsletters, loyalty points. And of course, also all the financial statistics that help you manage uh, such a business in an easy way. And so that's what we pivot towards and to have really a sort of B2B solution where we help the salon go digital. And on top of that, there's a platform where you can book your appointments online. And many startups are founded by one or two individuals and rarely three, but SalonKey has five. Can you tell our listeners how this works in a day-to-day environment? Yeah, I mean, I think today five is one of our biggest strengths um, since there's just so much to do. And how it practically works is that, of course, in the very early days, getting your first prototype out and getting that product market fit is, is what you focus on most. So 
there, I would say that the, the coding and the tech is is the major predominant uh, role and, and time you spend on, where then maybe not every co-finder can contribute as much, but then still you have other things to do. You go talk to salons, this whole sales aspect, uh, you have to do all the legal stuff to create a company. So that was then more the early days. But today, everybody has a very clearly defined responsibility. Uh, maybe one of the co-founders takes care about everything that's sales related. The other person is everything that's maybe operational or finance. Then uh, the other person is everything that's development and technology. Uh, then another could be recruiting and growth, right? So it's very clearly defined who takes care of what that then everybody sort of has uh, that business unit. Uh, in Salonki. And this is then what helps us focus on, on multiple things quite well at the same time. But then, of course, the more you grow, uh, so today we are at around 55 people, the more actually there's also some middle management that will evolve in the company because the more people you are, the more you need to manage them well and, and get them all facing in, in the same direction, align them on the vision of the company. And then that's where you see that even five co-founders, of course, is not enough to just manage uh, a company that's scaling. Salon Key was launched in, in Luxembourg and uh, always interesting to know how has the Luxembourg startup ecosystem helped the company, in, especially in the recent years? Yeah, I think uh, Luxembourg is, uh, I mean, the ecosystem, I think, still quite early, but certainly where I think it can help the most is also in the early days of a startup. Uh, there's the whole, of course, uh, business and legal side, how to get your company started, created, how to sort of get off the ground. Um, and there's programs like Fit for Start that try and, and, and help you better shape your, your, your value proposition and really find that product market fit. So I think that's a bit where also the, the, the Luxembourg ecosystem is still a bit more is, is in those early days of the startups. And that's also where I think you get most of the support and then over time, as you grow a bit and a bit more, um, then I think it's just you have to sort of uh, yeah fly on your own a bit more. Of course, there's always, I must say, in Luxembourg, people are always very open to help. I mean, there's different organizations from uh, Lux Innovation, Ministry of Economy, and others that always are open and, and, and keen to help you wherever they can. But I think then at some point, it's really uh, yeah up to the, star, uh, the, 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 the founders to, to get it to the next level, sort of. And you are currently also based at the House of Startups. Is that still correct? Or have you moved on to other, other offices? Yes. So we are still at the House of Startups. Um, we really like it there. It's a really nice place, dynamic of different, different startups also to talk and interact with. Um, so we're still there. Um, the nice thing, of course, about it is that you have very flexible office solutions. So when we entered the House of Startups, we were having an office of four, four desks. Today, we have four different offices. Uh, or four different rooms, basically, in the house of startups with over 25 desks. Uh, and, and it was just really easy to just add more more desks and rooms uh, the more the company was growing. So that was definitely helpful uh, since you didn't have to engage in a, in a long-term contract uh, with maybe some private uh, uh, rental company. Then today, I, I must say that, I mean, we're getting probably like around mid of the year a bit too big for for the house of startups um, where it just take up too much space and so we we, we probably will be looking for something else over over the months to come but um yeah we really liked it there and i i mean we we would like to stay if there would be enough room but at some point i guess we have to make room for for the new startups uh, coming in and for the expansion plans you you have um 
uh, in in other European cities? Will they be more locally based um, offices, or is that more the sales approach uh, that you're going to use in different different cities or different countries? Uh, but the the hub for for the foreseeable future remains in in Luxembourg. Yeah, so, so the hub will definitely remain in Luxembourg. So everything that's uh, tech related, all the developers are in Luxembourg, marketing is in Luxembourg, HR support, everything that is in Luxembourg. But then basically all the sales uh, roles or most of them then are outside of Luxembourg, meaning in every country we, we enter and open. Uh, we also have field sales. Uh, if say we go for Belgium, so in all the bigger cities, if it's Brussels, Antwerp and Ghent, Charleroi, Liège, whatever, you, you name it, right? We, we put people there on the ground, um, recreate an, a, Belgium, uh, a Belgium company that, that, that belongs to, to Salonki Luxembourg and that employs those people. And that basically helps us then sell our solution on the market there. I mean, this, uh, yeah, like how, how our industry sort of works is that salon owners tend to not just buy their solutions online. In, on a self-serve basis. So you really have to go there, visit them and help them sort of make the step from either paper or an, an maybe an outdated solution to a more modern solution like Salonki. So we build up sales teams abroad uh, and then we have, of course, also then sales managers in those countries. But then everything else is, is sort of uh, built and managed uh, from Luxembourg. And then in those countries, we also have small offices where, where the sales can go if they want to do some code calling sessions or some admin work, but usually the goal is for the sales to be on the road. Uh, they load on the car uh, and they drive around and, and go visit salons and, and, and try to to convince them to join Salonki. Yeah, I just I just thought you know when I when I looked into your company for for your customer base, especially at the early stage when you know when they want to change from pen and paper like you mentioned earlier but going to a tech solution you you're a tech company but your solutions that you are selling to your clients they still need to be managed on a face-to-face basis because for them it's probably a very big transition and not just the click of a button online and buy a subscription so how how important is your your sales executives or managers um, understand the tech solution but also at the same time understand the needs of your customer i mean it's it's crucial and it it's indeed we're tech company, but selling to non-tech people, right? So we have to bridge that gap between, okay, what what can Salonki do from a tech side? What does it really help your business or your salon if you use it? And how do you use it? So it's also not just about getting a sale done, uh, signing a contract, uh, leaving the software there and, and then let it, leaving the salon on his own, because then he would not, or most would not probably manage to, to really adopt the solution uh, really well. So it's a, a big change management process also sort of to, to manage, which the sales also takes takes care of. Uh, it's about showing them the advantages, but it's also about helping them onboard, uh, meaning uh, helping them get their services, their products, their customers into the system, giving training to, to the whole team basically in, in, in the salon on how to use it. Uh, how do you add appointments, change appointments? Uh, how, how do you go to the point of sale? Uh, what do those different statistics mean? So it's also some very light, I would say, uh, yeah, consulting in, included in it on, on really how to manage your business uh, better with software. Whereas before, they relied a lot on, on pen and paper, and it was basically more the accountant that managed a lot of the 
the business and, and the financial stuff. And here we really empower the salons to to have a better view on, on the business themselves by using some software that also has some some interesting statistics in it. Um, and then over time, as, as this sort of as the team scales, our sales get more and more specialized, meaning in the beginning, the sales uh, at Salonki, they were doing prospection, they were doing the demo, they were doing the account preparation, they were doing the onboarding of the salon, right? It was more like, we call it all round up profile. And the more the company grows, the more sort of these different special specialties that, that grow and different roles, meaning you have some people that do more of the presentation, the demo, uh, and, and the contracts uh, signing uh, kind of work. And there's another onboarding team that then takes over and, and takes care of the onboarding, right? So the more the company grows, the more sort of those different roles specialize. And everybody's sort of an expert in their own in their own domain. And this helps us also then to accelerate and, and scale the company. Obviously, over the last 24 months, because of the pandemic, it had a negative impact on the beauty treatment sector. How did you experience this period, especially in the context of launching your software in, in neighboring countries and in Luxembourg? Yeah, I mean, we, of course, also didn't really see it coming, uh, at least not as, as fast uh, as, as it was there at some point. And it, it had a huge impact on us because, yeah, during lockdown, I mean, hairdresser cannot work remotely or cut hair remotely, right? So they were just forced to close, no business and no revenue for them for basically months during lockdowns. So that was quite a, a difficult, challenging time for us. We very quickly basically thought about it in a way that we said, okay, salons are closed, provide software. What can we do to help them get through this period in the most effective way. Uh, so we sit together, we sort of brainstormed on different ideas, and then we decided a couple of things that we can do is how do they stay in touch with their customers even when they are closed? So we rearranged our roadmap. We launched uh, the, the whole newsletter emailing tool uh, earlier so that they can reach out to their customers, tell them all about the news that they even have maybe during lockdown. For example, a lot of salons were still then selling products during lockdown to help help get some revenue and then also yeah provide their their most loyal customers with with products that they otherwise would have bought in the shop uh, another thing was for example selling gift vouchers online so yeah you cannot go to your hairdresser during a lockdown but you can support him or in general local businesses that are closed by maybe just buying a a, a gift voucher online that you might use for yourself just maybe two or three months later uh, after the reopening and sort of give some some cash flow to the salon that basically had zero revenue uh, during that time. And so that was our approach. We said, okay, how can we help them? Uh, we found a couple of solutions that, that they found uh, helpful. And so they were also very willing uh, to, to continue and, and, and work with Salonki even during the lockdown as, as we provided even value for them at, at, at that time. Then, of course, uh, a growth related during a lockdown to grow is, isn't as easy as, as without. But we also still managed to, to keep growing. Uh, we just took an approach where we said every new customer that we onboard during a lockdown, he will only start paying after the reopening. They had a lot of time, right? They, they were sitting at home. They couldn't uh, work in their salons. So we tried and reached out. We said, hey, this is the perfect time for you to maybe go digital, prepare everything, get your online bookings up and, and running. Uh, so that you're ready for for the big rush on the reopening that that will happen, and that's exactly what we saw. I mean, after each lockdown, there was an enormous amount of people booking online to get back 
and get their hair done basically right so we tried to to maneuver through it as as good as we could and i think looking back uh, we we managed it uh, uh, rather well but of course it would have been much easier uh, without it and our goal for the last 10 years always to the same barber so i'm not looking to go to someone else how important is it for the end user to use salon key because if i go to the same one all the time is there a need for me what is the benefit for the end user yeah yeah i mean indeed the, the and that's also what we saw and, and why we sort of built our business model the way we build it is that booking a hairdresser or barber uh, online is different than booking a hotel online because if you would book a hotel you might go to a city you've never been and you need a hotel once and you probably don't get back uh, every month on a regular basis right and that's where platforms uh, then take a commission for sort of bringing new business to a hotel or for example or an airbnb or a booking or you name it um for hairdressers barbers beauty salons it's different because users tend to be much more loyal as you say and you go to the same one for for years um so it's different and we said okay actually it's not about uh, just bringing new business to the salon and taking a commission on that it's just about helping them go digital uh, in, in a broader sense right with the software that we provide for them that's what basically they probably most of the time doesn't see they just see salonki as a platform but our strength is basically the software we provide to salons to manage their business so for the salon that is a very clear i think the, the value we add then for the user side i mean it's just also enabling the salon to accept online bookings uh, of course the platform to find new salons is maybe more valuable if you're actually just looking for some new salons um, or maybe if you just want to like do some cross bookings in the sense that maybe your barber shop is on salonki and you just book through salonki to get your online appointment and then after some time you might be looking for a massage and you realize hey actually i can also go on salonki and with that same account i can also book maybe a massage that you don't know where to go right so it's it's not just about new business it's about just being able to book online in a broader sense at all uh, for those for those uh hairdressers because they didn't have a, a really good solution before where they could allow their their customers to do that and then there's just the other type of users that are just maybe a bit less loyal to salons or that are more open to experiment on different experiences and they just switch and they go mid from one salon to the other or maybe also for women that 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 have not just the tiny hairdresser but they might go to a, a nail studio or something like that so they have one account to sort of manage multiple uh, types of, of of bookings salon key obviously raised and it was everywhere in the news um a 6.2 million in series a funding in 2021 so during the pandemic and can you tell us about the funding structure and how uh, the funding was completed yeah so indeed i mean usually what what happens sort of in, in in luxembourg is that startups raise a seed round or i mean in general right startups raise a seed round or even a pre-seed round uh, first uh, and that's what you see a lot in in luxembourg is that seed rounds with some luxembourg business angels so there's quite active community there luxembourg business angel network there's a expon capital also as a venture capital uh, company in, in luxembourg that support and invest in in in, in local startups in luxembourg as a first step so that's what we did in 2019 
that was our seed round of 1 million. And then after that, I would say comes the, the more challenging part is then how do you use that money to scale abroad and, and sort of build up, um, not a storyline, but really a vision on how can you scale outside of Luxembourg uh, and really also then raise a, a bigger uh, round down the road because you're not going to raise uh, 6 million in funding just to stay in Luxembourg, right? So you have to put that 1 million you raised during the seed to good use show that you're will uh, that you're willing and that you're able to to scale outside of luxembourg that's when we opened up belgium we opened up switzerland and we basically proved that we are able to generate the same traction that we generate in luxembourg in other countries and then with that so that was almost then two years between january 2019 or a bit more than two years january 2019 and, and july 2021 uh we used that that seed round to sort of prove that and then with that you go back to VCs and then this time uh, since you're raising a much bigger round you cannot just go back to your local sort of uh, investors in Luxembourg but you have to get European investors on board that are able to do bigger check sizes and that are also maybe able to to share more experience on scaling across Europe uh, with you so then you reach out uh, basically all across Europe to, to different VCs Belgium Dutch German UK France right and, and you try and, and, and convince them and pitch them basically what you're doing and, and the vision you have and, and why they, they should invest in Salonki and, and how you see the company grow with, with the funding that you, you would complete. And then at the end, uh, yeah, we managed to get a, a Dutch VC and so Nuyon and, and, and the Belgian VC uh, for Tino as, as lead investors uh, on board. And they said, okay, we are willing to to co-lead the round. Uh, and then we have some, some other smaller ticket sizes from Switzerland and, and Germany that also joined. And, and then we said, okay, let's raise those uh, 6 million and, and make Salonki uh, accelerate in, in even more countries. And so we, we launched uh, Germany uh, this year. Uh, we are looking very closely at, at the Netherlands uh, and, and launched there in, in, in a month or two. And uh, our approach is to really look at with countries are the most interesting to launch we only go to countries where we expect or where we think we can be first or second in in a short to midterm future uh and our strategy is really to focus on a couple of countries and then do those really well and so that's what we're doing uh, today with luxembourg belgium switzerland germany now that that's launched just a couple of months ago and then the netherlands which is the next one on the roadmap in order to get the volume of customers heavily focused on face-to-face -face sales with, with your field sales executives. And, and how, how competitive is the market then for you? Because know, knowing a little bit from, from my research is you have about four or five quite big competitors in Europe for now, where some of them are raising in excess of uh, $50 million. I mean, there's, I think, two, two ways to look at it. The first one is, I mean, the market is just enormously big um, and I think that's what uh, venture capitalists also started to to notice and, and why other firms are also raising a lot of money uh, so there's hundreds of thousands uh, likely more than a million uh, salons hairdressers shops in in Europe that sort of need to go digital over the next years and or are right now going going digital and adopting more modern uh, cloud solutions and so it's really a, a race against time on, on, on who can scale, how fast, in, in which country, and, and how much market share uh, can you get, right? It's it's not necessarily maybe a winner-takes-all market, but it likely like there will be one, two 
big, I think, players uh, per country in, in, in the long term. There will probably not be 10 because with the platform, you have some network effects uh, where if you get to a certain size, it just reinforces itself and then and, and users also tend to go then to the, the bigger platform where they have a higher choice of salons where, where they can book at, right? It's what we saw in Luxembourg where there was no competition only. Um, and where today we have over 60% market share and, and you can basically find any salon you're looking for uh, on our platform. But then on any other country, uh, it's never a, a really green field where you say Salon Keys is the only one on the market. There's always some local local solutions uh, that very often never raise big amounts of money and never sort of scale out of their own country and, and, and they might not have then the, the newest and most modern solution, but then they still have some market share that they build up over the last maybe five, five to 10 years, right? So that's, that's one type of competition. And then the other type is, as you said, some companies that raise quite big rounds, um, but that might also be focusing, I think, more on the English speaking communities, uh, whereas what we see is that UK, US, Australia is, is probably three, four years in advance to the other countries in Europe in terms of digitalization and how to onboard salons. And they are also a fully remote approach. Uh, might work much better than if you would say you go to Germany or Belgium, where salons are just not yet willing to, to adopt such solutions by themselves. And then, of course, one of the bigger challenges in Europe, where I think Luxembourg is, is a big advantage, is that Europe is super fragmented, right? There's a lot of different languages. There's different le legislations on, on the point of sale systems in every country. So coming from Luxembourg, uh, speaking German, speaking French, uh, also having a Dutch speaking community that will help for the Flemish part of Belgium and, and for the Netherlands in Luxembourg. So Dutch community in Luxembourg, all that helps to sort of open those new countries. Um, and I think that's where we also have a big advantage compared to, to other companies that might just maybe come from Germany or from France and that have a much higher language barrier to sort of scale out of, out of their country, which we don't. And so at the, thing, at the end, I think it's not just about the money you, you raised. It's really about execution. And if we can, again, prove that the six million we raised, we put them good use, good use uh, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't also raise uh, much bigger rounds maybe in, in a year or two. Uh, and, and then keep accelerating across across Europe. You have very ambitious plan, obviously, expanding the business in, in Europe, but obviously uh, as your headquarters and yourself are from, from Luxembourg, um, is there something that you would change in Luxembourg from a business side? Maybe not something I would or could change, but something that would definitely, I think, help is, uh, or something that's challenging uh, in Luxembourg is, I think, the talent pool, the available talent pool, finding the right people to, yeah, to sort of scale, scale across Europe and, and scale, scale a startup. Um, I mean, there's definitely not as much experienced people on the market uh, that basically have done something similar before and that are willing then to, to join a new startup uh, if you compare it to other bigger capitals across, across Europe or maybe in the US. So a lot of, a lot of the people you find in Luxembourg have yeah, are qualified, but don't have an experience of scaling an, a startup across Europe. So I think that's definitely something that we basically just have to go with and find people from abroad or also just learn it along the way ourselves because there's just less, less, 
available talent experience in the market. But I also see that, yeah, changing. I mean, there's more and more startups that are able to to grow bigger, grow outside of Europe. Uh, and then, then, of course, over time, this talent coming from those startups that then are going to join more early stage startups um, and then are able to share share that experience. So I think in that sense, uh, the Luxembourgish ecosystem is still early and that will definitely over the next years improve. There might be the, the, the first really bigger exits for Luxembourgish startups. After those exits, maybe some some employees might leave and, and start their own startups. right? And so I think that will give an, a fully new dynamic to to the ecosystem over over the years to come but today that's not there yet uh, I, I would say tom i uh, really enjoyed the conversation and hopefully in uh, in the near future we uh, can sit back together have another follow-up uh, episode and see where you got over the period since we spoke uh, thank you very much thank you very much for having me Kerry. really really enjoyed it thanks for listening to the lux unplugged podcast please share this podcast with friends and family and leave us a review on itunes also, please don't forget to visit our website, luxunplugged.com. And see you next time.